This show is brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only app you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. In this app is fantasy player cards with every single fantasy viable stat, fantasy player grades, usage charts, start sit tools, who to draft tools, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and every stat and advanced stat you need, including stats you can only find at Brodo Fantasy that are proven winning stats, including true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and true matchup ranking. All this and more is available right now for free. All you have to do is go to anywhere you download apps and type in Fantasy Football by Brodo, and you just download it and become your own expert. Dominate your fantasy leagues with the only tool you need today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy Football. We are in the midst of playoff time, and we are back, baby. It is the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petropoulos, here with my brother, Mike. What's up, Mike? Yep. And, of course, the Dynasty Don himself, Matt Ward. What's good, Matt? How's it going, brother? I'm trying to just call you a different nickname every single show. I don't know how I'm doing. It's it's, it's always coming off the top of my head. The but Irish Igniter. The, uh, that one there there's there's been there's been better all right so matt I, we were just having a little conversation off air and i'm like yo i want to start this conversation because this is a good conversation to have on air because i'm about to t- say something michael when we were young was absolutely obsessed with marvin harrison marvin harrison was, was his guy he would he got marvin harrison's jersey he would play with marvin harrison in madden he would uh he would Act like he was Marvin Harrison. He wore 88. I'm number 88 in Yeah, football, you yeah. still wear 88 today because of Marvin Harrison. Michael was obsessed with Marvin Harrison. And Jason was obsessed with Ricky Williams. Jason wanted to be Ricky Williams so fucking bad. And this and this poor kid, because, you know, we're, we're growing up now in the, in the early 2000s. There's not as a liberal a view of marijuana at that time. Marijuana yeah. was still considered like a, a, a very uh, a bad thing. And, and, you know, when he got caught with the weed... Yo, poor Jason was like so young and he just like was crushed. He had Ricky Williams posters on his wall and he took him down. Poor kid. But um, I want to ask you, Matt, who was the one player that you were like obsessed with when you were a kid? And maybe not obsessed with, but who was like your favorite, your like your first real favorite football player? Do you remember? Yeah, Patrick Swilling. Patrick Swilling. I'm not even old enough to have watched him play live, but don't ask me who Patrick. Swilling I don't even know is. who that is, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even Who's old enough. Patrick to Swilling. Have seen him play live. Well, he was uh, the outside linebacker, the former New Orleans, in the late Saint. '80s yeah. and early '90s. Mm. He's currently 58 years old. Interesting. So, uh, what about a guy like you? Like, w- like grew That's up. That's like watching? the most Matt answer. Yeah, ever. right. Patrick like, Swilling, and he goes by Patrick Swilling according linebacker. to Google. So he went full name and everything. Patrick Swilling. Like I said, if my favorite analyst was Matthew Ward, <laughs> <laughs> but ser- but but like who? What about a player like you grew up like watching, like you actually watched? Can you remember one that you were like, "Yo, this guy is just next level"? I mean, Chris Carter. Chris Carter. Uh, 
I like Adrian Peterson. I mean, stick with the Vikings. You know what? That's really funny because John Randall as well on the opposite side of the ball was one of my favorite players growing up. I obviously have to give credence to Reggie Bush. He's my favorite college player Mm, of all time. Nice. Um, Reggie Bush years. I would say Terrell Owens, my favorite wide receiver of that era for sure. Um, Yeah. I have a friend who's a Vikings fan to this day. Same one I mentioned in the last podcast that that went to the game and saw the Vikings beat the shit out of the... Well, not to beat the shit, but eventually beat uh, the Jets. The Jets actually, I would say, largely outplayed them in that game. But um, he's he's a Vikings fan because of Randy Moss. For me, it was LaDainian Tomlinson, man. I just loved every single second of that guy. He was so smooth. We really haven't seen a guy that is that much of a dual threat that consistently before or since him. Because, like, David Johnson has had, like, LaDainian Tomlinson-like seasons, and Christian McCaffrey has, has had LaDainian Tomlinson even maybe plus seasons. But no one has ever put together the ridiculous numbers, receiving and rushing, that this guy put together consistently over six, seven se- seasons. Like, rid- like, mad long for running back. Like, LaDainian Tomlinson was just the man. Um, but, yeah, hopefully that you are uh, – are reminiscing about your favorite player to watch right now because uh, we are in the midst of some games and uh, some and we're we're I want you to look back at this season, it from ten years with fondness and be like, oh man, I loved watching that, you know, ex player Amon Ross St. Brown play and I remember him bringing me that to the promised Garrett land. Garrett Wilson, yeah, that Garrett Wilson, I love watching him play and he was gonna bring me to the promised land. I hope that's happening for all of you and the way that we want it to happen for all of you is. You know, two ways. You can listen to this podcast, which obviously you are if you're listening to me. Meta. See, Michael? Meta. No, you are. You love that word. Um, I hate that word so much. And then, uh, of you course, are. it's the app, man. Uh, fantasy, The Fantasy Football by Broto app. It has everything you need to become your own expert. It's literally like we, are, we all do a lot of work to make these predictions and project and do all this stuff. We always have to go to all these different websites to get all these different numbers. And some of the numbers were like, yo, just not off to snuff. We're going to have to just like invent our own. So we did. And every single number that we've been using to predict is in there. All in the same place. Yeah. And it's free. Go get it. The Fantasy Football by, Fantasy Football by Broto app. And if you want to support, patreon.com slash brotofantasy. This is the time to be a patron because you are getting not only our advice, but you're getting a community of like-minded fantasy stud muffins if i must say so myself uh in that chat um it is it's it's always a very like really good fantasy conversation going down and really good advice that everyone's giving and always has polls and 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 we're involved and the community's involved go check that out we get extra episodes the waivers the waivers are gonna be more important than ever especially if you're in the playoffs waivers in the playoffs is like yo that could be the difference in a championship or not um so go check that out so much more uh dfs optimizers uh the dfs optimizer last week was good so check it out that's it that's my pitch all right so let's get into uh this show this is the monday recap show i hope you guys had a uh successful successful day right now fruitful weekend yeah right now we're watching the game as you guys know it's tradition we watch it live as we are recording so if you see us get distracted a little bit uh, it is three nothing buccaneers and you know it's 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 a very defensive grinded out game at the moment uh as as i think you could expect from these two teams this is what this version of these two teams are uh this season uh but as we get into that it is time 
to get into the man, the myth, the legend. It is not a Monday, ladies and gentlemen, without Donnie H. Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. Oh, thank you, Donnie H. Little Donnie H. Error free Donnie H. All right, let's get into the Bronco. Don Harrison. Eh, you can do better. All right, let's get into the first piece of news. Cortland Sutton, who got a big fat donut, or as my son loves to say, oh. He got that as the point yesterday. Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett said, Cortland Sutton is day-to-day with a hamstring injury. I think he's got an injury to his soul Cortland as well, but Sutton his hamstring as well. was my stock down, and he scored zero points. I didn't put him in my, uh, in the, um, what's it called, the I saw a coming segment, just because of the injury. I don't want a victory lap in injury, but he did play quite a bit, and he got zero points. So Yeah. I mean, that Denver Broncos offense uh, is one of the most disgusting Broncos, things I've seen. Though. That that was a terrible game last night. That that game was uh, hard to watch. It makes no sense how bad the Broncos' offense is. I'll never understand it. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. It makes, like, yeah, I, that's a different philosophy for a different day. I still think uh, Russell Wilson might be a low key buy in dynasty leagues. I uh, okay, well, that's a that's a hot take. But I will say <laughs> yeah, this: exactly, who would have thought? That Pete Carroll would have got some picks. How many? How many picks did he get for Russell Wilson? Two first round. Two first round picks, and he has the better quarterback. Right. And he has the better quarterback. Imagine someone telling yeah, you I, before the season that apparently. Oh, go ahead. That you would say Geno Smith is better than Russell Wilson, and anyone who disagreed, you'd be like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> yeah. And, oh, hundred percent. And I, I was reading um, Benjamin Albright too. Apparently, like. It was like a throwback tweet, but somebody had like retweeted or whatever that they didn't want Noah Fant or um, Drew Locke. Like the Seahawks were literally just like, okay, whatever. Like they were just like happy with the picks, and <laughs> the Broncos made it a part of the stipulation that it was like you have to take Drew Locke. You have to. <laughs> well, they have him as a locked-in backup now. Um, Josh Jacobs uh, limited in practice. He had a, another monster game. Uh, so wouldn't worry about that too much. This is the same injury. He plays uh, on Thursday, though. Oh, that is true. Which is a little notable. Yeah, uh, that is, for sure. But limited is an encouraging sign. Yep. It's not like uh, it's bad news. It's good news. Uh, Packers head coach Michael Flores said it could be a while when asked about David Bakhtiari, the left tackle. Uh, he got an ap- appendectomy. Seems like David Bakhtiari is in and out of the lineup with injuries, and now it's just an appendectomy. It's just like this guy can't catch a break. That's like the third appendectomy in the NFL this season. Yeah, yeah right? What's good with these guys? These guys, these appendixes so are just exploding. Um, Jets head coach Robert Sala said Mike White will start in week 14 against the Bills. Obviously. Yeah. Could have saw that one coming. Obviously. Uh, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor said Joe Mixon has a chance to clear concussion protocol uh, early this week. This ended up being a little worse than people thought. This is That was his second game in a row uh, that he missed. So Simaji Piran came through and had another great game, so can't get mad at that. Um, yeah, Joe Mixon, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what's going on. Because ever since the Tua thing, concussions are a whole different ballgame. It used to be you're out for a game for the concussions. You know he's coming back next week. That's basically what it is. Yeah, that's not what it is anymore. 
So you never know with these guys. These guys are on an unknown timetable. So, you know, hopefully you handcuffed uh, Joe Mixon. Uh, Lamar Jackson, this one is a big one. We've had two big quarterback injuries uh, yesterday. Probably should have started off with these, but we're going in in time, uh, chronological order. Uh, Lamar Jackson, unlikely to play in Week 14, and you got to think this is a leg injury. He's already without weapons. As a fantasy option, this is probably the end of the line for Lamar Jackson. Probably, I mean, this is probably the end of the line. This is probably well, it. they said that one of the these um. You know, the injury doctors on Twitter, one of the guys I actually listened to, I'm blanking on his name, said two to four weeks is a possible outcome. Well, two, two to weeks. four weeks is you got to bring him back at in your fantasy championship game. No, semifinals if he misses two weeks. All right. So I don't think it's like if you have Lamar Jackson. Who, I mean, look at the QB landscape, bro. What do you mean? You have to stash Lamar Jackson if you have him. I mean, sure. I'm not saying drop him. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, Tyler Huntley, though, is a viable replacement for his rushing prowess as well hashtag fantasy points. i agree and and the strength of schedule they they get yep. pittsburgh twice atlanta once and then cleveland so they've got great matchups coming that's what you want man this one sucks uh jimmy g broken foot out for the season this guy could just not catch a break he cannot stay healthy you got to really feel for him man because from every account he's like the nicest guy and when you're rich and handsome and nice like yo you guys, you can't help but root for that guy, and he just he keeps going down. Uh, it, it sucks because it, the 49ers, like outside of this fantasy realm that we're all always in, I miss breaking down games sometimes because I was really good at like defensive stuff. Uh, I don't really, for you. Yeah, you know, I I miss I miss I miss breaking down defenses. Uh, but with that being said, um, where was I going with this? I completely lost my don't train know. of thought. Jimmy Garoppolo, though. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, outside of this realm, the 49ers were Super Bowl favorites, bro. I would say they were like the... They were certainly up there. In the NFC, there. was them and the Eagles. Of yeah, like, who easily. was going to be in the NFC Championship game? Yeah, and, I mean, it's very, very upsetting if you're a 49ers fan. Because, well, one, no one's going to convince me that Trey Lance was a better option than Jimmy G this year to begin with. Jimmy G was always a better option in terms of trying to win a championship. But that's neither here nor there. At least Trey Lance, like, they prepared with him in the, uh, like, in the offseason. They were ready to hand him the reins to the QB position on that offense. And now they have mystery relevant Brock Purdy as the third-string quarterback who has to come in and try to step up now. And it's just, it's upsetting if you're a 49ers fan because there's not much you could really do. I think they signed Josh Johnson to their practice squad, which is interesting. He's a veteran. He could... Maybe he ends up taking the spot from Brock Purdy, but, like, you can't be excited about Brock Purdy at all, really. No. Although he did look good. I mean, he looked decent enough. We'll get into that. Shanahan offense is dumping off passes to his playmakers. Yeah, I mean, he didn't look not good, so there's He didn't look atrocious, yeah. I think Brock Purdy, although Brock Purdy is the quarterback right now, it's interesting timing that the next piece of news, Baker Mayfield... NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports that the Panthers are expected to waive QB Mr. Baker Mayfield. Can I can I say something real quick? I don't think that's a coincidence. Maybe Sam Darnold is actually better than Baker Mayfield. Oh, time out! <laughs> time out! Who knew? Yeah, that, that might be true. As shocking as it is to me and as improbable as I thought it was, maybe it's just a fact, man, at this point. 
Baker Mayfield is really, really bad at football. I don't know what. How do you have like a touchdown throwing, record breaking rookie season and look as good as he did, and just collapse the way he did after that season? I just don't understand it. I'm never going to understand it. I think didn't he hurt his arm? Not that I know of. I mean, yeah, he oh yeah, what, big time. He had a, he played all last season with a torn shoulder labrum. Yeah. I mean, that's how you do it. I mean, either way, he doesn't have a torn shoulder labrum this year, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, but then you or know, the year after his rookie season. Yeah, <laughs> he just—I don't—I don't know what happened. I don't. Well, what happened was yeah. Sam Darnold was always better than him. The first year he was surrounded by mad talent. That's what happened. And he—I bet you that talent would have even been better if Sam Darnold was in the game. That's all I got to say about that. All right, uh, but Baker Mayfield could be the the quarterback of the 49ers or the Ravens. Or uh, any of the other teams that may need quarterbacks right now. Uh, he could be the quarterback of that team. And he kind of, you know, Baker Mayfield, I also feel like is, uh, although I'm not a fan of his, obviously, he's he's never been in a system that kind of fits him. And I think the 49ers are also not that system either. Like, he's not a guy that's like, I think oh. the 49ers fit everybody. Well, Baker, but bro, Baker Mayfield thinks he's way more athletic than he actually is. Like, that dude is not athletic at all. Let's be real. Behind the scenes, we just had to pause because Taysom Hill caught a pass, caught a touch, the thirty-yard touchdown pass. That, of course, you know by now. Um, and Michael just lost his mind. Well, like I was telling Matt before we started playing again, we have a a very tight race up top in our in our home league. Me and Jason are in second and third, and we got a first place team um, who's one game ahead of us. Jason's gonna win this week. I could win this week. And if the first place teams loses, me and Jay would jump him and get into first and second place, getting going into the last week. So it's quite a big, uh, quite a big catch there. The by implications Taysom. are huge implications. Very intense. Jason, huge implications. Jason on a six game winning streak, and in this league, I'm six and six, but I'm second in points, and no one's even close to me. I'm gonna win this week. No one's even close to you, as if I'm not in first by like 150 points. I mean, I said no one's close to me. Come on. I mean, I, but I said I was second, right? You're, yeah, I, that, I know that. you're in first, Michael. Like, you, Michael just wants everyone to know that he's the one in first. All right, get back to the Donny H. Uh, yeah, okay. No, that's it. Well, last one. This one's not that good, but you know, Arthur Smith after the game has always been we're sticking with Mariota, we're sticking with Mariota, we're sticking with Mariota. And today, he after the game uh, yesterday, he was like, "We will evaluate everything, every job." Well, you can't watch Marcus Mariota play and think this is what an NFL quarterback is supposed to be doing. Yeah. That guy, uh, it's it's just rough. it's it's not understandable by any means the fact that he is still a quarterback at this point. Yeah, it's rough. There's no really, really uh, if ands or buts about it. Especially now that they got on the losing streak and they're basically out of the playoff hunt. Just bring in Desmond Ritter and see what you got. Uh, yeah, agree. All right, that's it. I know Matt would probably be interested to see Desmond yeah. Ritter ball. Hundred percent. I I feel like uh, I feel like your take. That he was going to be the first, our take, we both had this take, that he was going to be the first uh, uh, rookie to take a snap in, in the NFL this year. I still think the process was correct. Just I mean, that, it's not that far off. Just yeah. That Arthur Smith. Uh, Trubisky just, Trubisky was just, the downfall of Trubisky happened quicker than Mariota, I guess. Or Arthur Smith's a lot more stubborn than Mike yeah. Tomlin as well. Mike Trubisky, I mean, Mitch Trubisky may have caused me a lot of damage in my life, but I will say this he's better than Marcus Mariota. All right. 
He's better than him. I'll uh, give you that. I don't know if that's a a win. It's but. <laughs> not. It's not really a win. But I, there's that. If there's that. All right. Uh, let's get into the things that we did see coming. Unlike my prediction of Mitch Trubisky being a good player, uh, the stuff that we saw in Week 13. I saw that coming from a mile away. So just a reminder, Matt is here to give us the dynasty perspective. He's the dynasty Don. Me and Michael giving you the weekly week week to week redraft perspective. But whatever league you're in, you're in the playoffs hunt. Right now, the hunt. Uh, so, Michael, why don't you start us off uh, with your first? My first we saw that coming is someone that I think everyone should have seen this coming. And everyone maybe did see this coming, and it didn't make it any less glorious. And he still has to get a shout-out. And that's my man, A.J. Brown, in the revenge game against the Tennessee Titans. Just big boy to the Tennessee Titans. All day long. 10 targets, nine, 8 receptions, 119 yards, and 2 touchdowns. And both touchdowns were just, I'm better than you touchdowns. Especially the second one where the defender was just draped all over him. And A.J. Brown just acted like he wasn't even there. And it was just absurd. Absurd, absurd. And the, the craziest thing was that A.J. Brown caught a touchdown on a 41-yard pass. That got called back, and I was like, oh, I was at Jason's watching the game. I was like, Jay, A.J. Brown, 41-yard touchdown, called back. And then they cut away, and they cut back to A.J. Brown catching a 41-yard touchdown. And I'm like, what just happened? He caught a 41-yard touchdown to play after he got a 41-yard touchdown called back. <laughs> like, that's just, just some shit that does not happen in the NFL. Yeah. They're just some grown man, I'm a beast, you can't stop me, A.J. Brown type work. And it's been a, a pleasure watching him cook this year. And, uh. Yeah, he went off this week. We mentioned it was just the perfect storm. Like, you got a guy who clearly has taken a person. I don't know if you guys saw his um, his podium speech. I mean, his, his questions afterwards, the press conference, uh, where he was asked if he's if he's if it's personal. He's like, yeah, man, it's been personal since they traded me. He's like, I just keep it on the low, and I'll tell you guys. I mean, he never... He never wanted to leave Tennessee, or he's, at least he never he said. made it seem like he did. He's like, I never wanted to leave there, and they just kind of... Yeah. They were like, oh, they just traded me. The NFL turned into a business with A.J. Brown. And on top of that, he's a big play receiver, and the Titans give up big plays. It was the perfect storm. Um, let's get into, Matt, your first uh, stock up. I mean, so I'm not, not stock up. Saw that coming. Sorry. That's an error. That's an error. That's we'll, an error. We'll yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> error count for Tim, one. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go right to the – other side, um, stay in Philly and talk about Devontae Smith for a second. Because for week 13, Devontae had recorded three consecutive weeks as the Eagles' top target earner uh, ahead of A.J. Brown, over 30% target share in each game. He saw two fewer targets than Brown against the Titans, gave way to the production of uh, that revenge narrative, obviously. Smith was still incredible in his own right, though. He caught five of eight targets for a 20.5% share, uh, 102 yards, one touchdown, 21.2 PPR points. And for the dynasty perspective of this, he's in an interesting position of purgatory on the dynasty market, taking like similar historical value arcs to players like Marquise Brown or Chris Godwin, where they're continuously undervalued in market consensus, despite elite peripheral metrics and coinciding elite target shares next to another top positional target earner and top positional asset. And obviously there's some anchoring bias towards Smith. Um, both coinciding with his size and the signing of A.J. Brown himself. With people thinking that's kind of like a vote of low confidence in their first-round pick makes Smith a perennial buy low. Um, his value is never really 
what his range of outcomes in his career or his production as we've you know seen him put up wide receiver one overall performances and even 21.2 ppr points alongside aj brown as two top 12 wide receivers this week he's never really been valued in production and certainly not in youth in draft capital and in all of those things and dynasty is all about the long con i think we're at a crossroads where we can confidently admit that Devonte smith is a special nfl receiver with infinite upside as he continues to develop but the market again, because of size and the presence of another top receiver just refuses to acknowledge him, at least for that value. So yeah, I mean, buy low, buy whatever the cost is, buy at face value because Devontae Smith's an incredible asset to own for his entire career. Bye, 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 bye. What? Bye, Devontae Smith. Oh, man. That was Mike's swinging and not, missing today. Don't like, look at me with disappointment. No, I'm, I'm going to look at you with that. I think the listeners could hear my disappointed eyes through the microphone. Well, get your shit together. They also heard you make your first error. So you were supposed to be the funniest patrol. All right, you ha- you we have high expectations. All right, speaking of high expectations, when you go to the Brodo Fantasy Football app, this is going to be a little bit of a of a a, a little tap on the back for the the company. Uh, we're 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 talking about the tight end landscape and last show, and we're like, oh man, what this? Who are we gonna? Who am I gonna pick for tight end? Who's my streamer? And I'm looking at guys, and I'm like, oh, this guy's sh- yo streamer. And then I look at him; he's 85 percent owned. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, all right, this guy streamer. I'm like 73 percent rostered. It's like, what the hell, man? Like every single viable tight end is on teams because everyone's so desperate for tight ends. So you need to find a streamer. How do you do it? You go to the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, you go to True Matchup Ranking, and you look at the True Matchup Ranking. It is a cheat code, and last week, the cheat code worked. Evan yes, Ingram did. got his ass in the end zone. We, it's He was on the field, he was against a great matchup, and it happened. Uh, 11 and a half, half PPR points for Mr. Evan Ingram. A very good day if you streamed him. Uh, this week, dude. Right when Ingram scored, I was like, "Of course, Ingram scored." That's right. Points over average, baby. It doesn't lie. Cass, we love you. Cass, we love you. We love you, Cass. Shadow Cass. <laughs> Michael, who's Fact. your second one? My second. We saw that coming. My other stock down that wasn't Cortland Sutton. I really, really nailed my stock downs this week, guys, because Cortland Sutton put up zero point zero, and Gus Edwards put up one point two. My two stock downs combined for 1.2 fantasy points. Like Gus Edwards ran six times for 12 yards, and I said this is going to be a tough matchup where they're going to score two to three touchdowns tops, and Gus Edwards is just a touchdown-dependent option. Then Lamar Jackson injury obviously stunted the offense even further, and Gus Edwards ended with six rush attempts for 12 yards and just an abysmal performance in every sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, I didn't expect sure. it to be that bad. I'll tell you that. I wasn't expecting 1.2 total points out of Sutton and Edwards, but that's what happened. I'll tell you something. Yeah. Do you know which, who you didn't expect much from? A.J. Dillon. Because that's my... Well, Aaron Jones... Saw that coming. Aaron Jones was in well, the not, game with well, an injury. Well, he was, A.J. Dillon was a viable play regardless. And I you mean, didn't want to listen. He got a lot more touches because Aaron Jones was out for a lot of it. And he was a viable play regardless, but you didn't want to listen. Yeah, yeah. So you had to listen. So now I you got to listen to this. I was actually hyped. The guy I'm playing against in our home league started Kyron Williams over A.J. Dillon. I'm not an A.J. Yo, Dillon guy. That Even was that, a terrible move. I was like, yes. That was a horrible move. Nick, yeah. uh, bro, get your shit together, bro. 
<clears throat> currently right now, like I said, my team's second in points, but sixth in the standings. I need Nick to lose. So him starting Kyron Williams was a, a fantastic thing. Yeah, for, for me. you. Uh, what he would have started, by the way, because sometimes we forget to actually say what he what they actually did. What he would have started was 18 rushes for 93 yards and a rushing uh, touchdown. Also, through three catches for 26 yards thrown in there. That's almost 20 definitely a nice day. Half PPR points. That is a good day yeah. at the office. The, the, my only Dillon. my only gripe with like best ball tournaments, I, I got hugely into best ball over the last couple of years. I'm I'm a big fan of it, but. My only gripe is if you had, like, say, A.J. Dillon, if you drafted A.J. Dillon at his ADP of a fifth, sixth round, fourth round even, sometimes ADP pick, he screwed you this year for the most part. But if you drafted well enough where that team still was able to make it to the best ball tournament with A.J. Dillon, if Aaron Jones gets hurt, then you have such an advantage there. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's such a, it's so backwards sometimes. That's not backwards. That's good drafting. I mean... Yeah, is I it, think it good is drafting? Well. Drafting AJ Dillon. If AJ Dillon becomes a league winner over the last three weeks, if Aaron Jones gets it out, that becomes good drafting. Drafting AJ Dillon in the fifth round, what, I I'd well, push what's back good, on that. No, I, I mean, what's good drafting is certain. is drafting the team that got you into the position to make well, that yeah, happen. Right. No, yes, that absolutely. I'm saying it doesn't make AJ Dillon a bad pick. It made you were able to just work around pick, it, right? In a good and draft, then, and then the luck factor came in and propelled right. you over the top. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yes. I wouldn't say luck. Okay, I'm say I said if a if Aaron Jones gets hurt and AJ Dillon becomes a league winner. Yeah, okay, I get that. I, I, I same get thing it. with like Joe Mixon. If Samaje P Ryan becomes a league winner, obviously there's a little bit of luck in there. All right, I mean, okay, I got you, uh, Matt. Who's your dynasty up? I mean, no, I saw that coming. Why do I keep saying this? Why I don't know. It's error two though. That's uh, error number uh, two, baby. Yeah, Let's just saw that coming. <laughs> keep them counting. E two. Um, I mean, yeah. Deshaun Watson. I was kind of contemplating Ew. using this one in the next section that we're going to pull up today. But in all <laughs> honesty, I, I don't really think anyone should be super surprised about Deshaun Watson. Um, any assumptions that the Browns new franchise QB will immediately return to like all pro level. That's just like it's false. It was false. It was based on a theory of like what has happened in the past will continue to happen in the present and how quick people were to forget. Russell Wilson's decline in Denver, um, assuming that he was going, you know, so it's, we're seeing the same thing and, and not just that, but obviously the Texans are a very underrated defense in general um, because of the trajectory of the team this season, but they're a very good defense, the best defense in the league against fantasy quarterbacks. And it's not like Watson was able to break that mold, even if he was supposedly their toughest matchup on paper, as far as a talent perspective is concerned, because they've had a pretty soft schedule against quarterbacks, but he was coming off of two years without playing football in a brand new offense where he wasn't even really allowed to practice with the team until a week ago. Um, yeah. Entered a sold out stadium. I mean, you could hear it at home, how loud it was and how impossible it was for him to try to call plays and get guys in motion. Um, just had a terrible, terrible game. He ended up completing 12 of 22 for 131 yards, no touchdowns, one interception failed to lead the team. On a single scoring drive, he rushed seven times for 21 yards. And he kind of, like, he just looked lost and uncoordinated at times, too. He was missing throws high, missing throws low. He was missing them long, missing them short. And every time he tried to create, like, that athletic magic in the backfield and scramble for extra yardage, the defense would just close out. He, like, didn't remember where his old rushing lanes were. Um, yeah, just not a good scene. And I, I, I do think that, you know, Dynasty's 
dynasty perspective in he's obviously remains as one of the top positional assets but as we were kind of alluding to earlier you look at the landscape and the parity of the quarterback position and how the top six have really separated themselves from the top seven to 16 um, and how close that gap is in points per game production will only hold up to Sean Watson's value or the, a lack of production rather will only hold up to Sean Watson's value for so long. There you go. Uh, I am going to talk more about that because I will lead off our next section because I'm going right into the next section with the surprise surprise. What the error hell? number three, well, baby. That was not, that was not my fault. How's that my fault? Something just came across. Oh man, I'm, I'm, surprise, <laughs> motherfucker! I'm dropping the ball. I'm I'm, I'm 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 crushing. I'm crumbling under the pressure right now. I'm they crumbling. Call him error, Tim, for nothing. Man, I'm crumbling under the pressure right now. All right, um, but I'm gonna seamlessly transition because my surprise, surprise was Nick Chubb, uh, because when you say Deshaun Watson is back and he sucked, bro. Like I know Matt just went into the numbers, but. Um, without going into the numbers and all that, like he sucked. He was terrible. He, he was, was atrocious. He, he played Kyle aiming, Allen level. He was aiming everything. Like it was crazy. Like he was. He looked like a. He looked like a dude who hasn't played in a very long time. So, um, I mean, I'm sure that's not going to be the case all season. But for this game, he sucked. And you assume when you're playing the Houston Texans, who has been the one of the worst run defenses in the league all year. That one of the best running backs in the league in this scenario can get some something going, uh, but Nick Chubb, 17 rushes for 80 yards, really didn't do anything. Got you 80, I got you eight points in fantasy. It was horrible. Um, you know, he ended up getting outscored by Kareem Hunt for the first time since Week One uh, in this game. Both of them did not put up a great fantasy game, but still, Hunt outscored him. Uh, so definitely a, a disappointment, a disappointment and a surprise from a. You know, if I had Nick Chubb in my lineup this week, I was going to be expecting big things. Uh, I oh, was, he was my grand slam smash. There, and, I, and I completely agreed with you. I was there with you. So definitely yeah. a surprise that Nick Chubb did not uh, smash this week because it looked like the opportunity was there. All right. Michael, who was your first uh, surprise, surprise? My first surprise, surprise isn't a player. Hmm. It's a unit. Hmm. The Cleveland Ooh. Browns defense put up a yeah. thirty We're all spot. In on Cleveland today, thirty spot. I'm sorry, I had this is the first Ooh. time I've ever not chosen a person, but you can't ignore a defense scoring three touchdowns in three different ways: an interception return, a kick return, and a fumble return. Super cool, and a safety, and a safety, right? And a second interception, and a second fumble recovery. How many sacks they have? Oh no, no safety. Right? Did they not have a safety? The Texans had the, the safety. Texans had the safety. Oh, the yeah, Texans yeah, had yeah. a safety. My bad. That's right. Yep. But nonetheless, Apologies, the Cleveland folks. Browns just absolutely annihilated the Texans' offense. And the Donovan Peoples-Jones punt return was fire. That dude broke like three tackles and then just outran everybody. It was just shocking. I knew it was a good matchup. Like, it was, it was consensus. The Browns are like a top three defense this week. Obviously, you know, matchups play an important role in, in that. But... To score 30 points and to will teams to victory at this point in the season. In the teen stage, now that we're in week 13, with only one week to go in the regular season after this week, is is pretty ridiculous. Guys, I have a, I have a hot take that I'm going to make a prediction on right now. Spicy. The Dallas Cowboys play the Houston Texans next week. Okay. I contend Don't that say the Texans are going to win. That the Dallas 
Cowboys defense is going to outscore the Houston Texans offense in that game. So like what the Browns just did. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think that the, yeah, the Cowboys. I see that the Cow- I could legitimately see almost every team in the NFL doing that to Houston for the rest of the season. Yeah. Kyle, they keep Kyle I, Allen as the quarterback. He is the worst quarterback I've ever seen. <laughs> the Browns scored twenty-seven points without an offensive touchdown. I think they said that was the first. That's the most points scored without an offensive touchdown since eighty-nine. I think it was. They said I'm blanking on the year. It was one that ends with a nine. That but, game had a what, weird but, energy not, around just, it, man. They also did that. Oh, no, I guess there was... Never mind. I was just thinking about the Steelers game. Remember when they put up, like, 40 points in the first quarter against the Steelers? Not really. Playoffs? <laughs> really? Oh, the playoff game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about this season. Had, like, I was like, yeah, when did no, that happen? It was like... Uh, I think it was Big Ben's last playoff game. Yeah, that was... Uh, that, 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 that's a long time ago. That's Man, a that's Steelers a fans different... want Big Ben back. Prime yeah. Big Ben. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Kenny Pickett has made some strides this year. I don't nope. know. I don't know if he's yeah. the guy, but he, he, I don't know what you're watching. But Kenny Pickett looks like yeah, maybe he could be like water. a maybe he could be like a Jared Goff type of guy. But we'll see. We got time. All right, we got time, Matt. Who's your first surprise? Surprise, 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 man. Um, this one definitely caught me off guard, and, and I know you were touching on it a, l- a little bit um, with the injury report, but. With the final pick of the 2022 draft, hey, Brock Purdy, quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, becomes a household name overnight in the Bay Area, leading the 49ers to a 33-17 victory over the Dolphins after Jimmy G goes down with a season-ending foot injury. And she, but what was most surprising to me, especially from a dynasty perspective, and I 100% guarantee you one QB or Superflex Brock Purdy, especially at this juncture in the season, will be one of the hottest waiver wire ads if he was not already, like, well, yeah, I'm sure he was stashed on some taxis, but... Possibly not even, but he'll be a hot ad at this point in the season. Um, completes 25 to 37 attempts, and, and that was kind of the most surprising thing is Shanahan wasn't shy uh, to call plays that allowed him to just sling the rock at a rapid rate, even more than he would allow Jimmy G to do it, despite leading for most of the game as well. You know, Miami took the first big touchdown, but then uh, 49ers took over quite easily after that. Yep. Um, yeah, 25 for 37, 210 yards, one interception, two touchdowns. Good for 19.2 fantasy points. And uh, as we record on Monday Night Football, he's currently a QB1, QB12 in Week 14, and will finish no lower than QB14. So, I mean, truthfully, that kid was a mess of a collegiate quarterback, bringing the dynasty perspective in. Uh, he never surpassed his year one numbers with consistent decline every season before he declared for the NFL draft at Ohio State. He was basically just a glorified handoff machine to um, – Brees Hall. Nevertheless, one of the main narratives surrounding Jimmy G's talents, or you could argue lack thereof, is the incredibly quarterback-friendly system that Kyle Shanahan has perfected for his single callers. As Mike was kind of alluding to, like Purdy's surrounded by elite all-pro talent at every single position on the offense. He can just play pitch and catch on his way to serviceable fantasy numbers, especially if you play in um, QB2 or Superflex leagues, as most Dynasty leagues are Superflex. Just handoffs, pitch and catch, game manage his way to top 16 finishes for the rest of the season. He's not going to have any value insulation whatsoever beyond these last four weeks in fantasy. Um, but his production, his role, and, and unless they do pick up Baker Mayfield, which I kind of don't see happening, there's a reason that they drafted Brock Purdy in the first place. Um, yeah, I mean, I, definitely a surprise to see him function whatsoever after knowing the type of prospect that he was coming out of college. Like, he was legit a 
I don't know, Coy Detmer level prospect. Bro, it's man, that 49ers team is flawless outside of quarterback. That's what I'm trying to say. Like the most just, important yeah, and position. Mean, and still 250 for back. two touchdowns Where's and Nick only Mullins one at? pick, which it was off a tip. And that kid has an like he does have an arm. I, I think just I don't even think you're gonna get like it'll be a decline coming forward. But yeah, man, I was very surprised. I genuinely didn't think they were gonna allow him to attempt more than fifteen pass attempts. Yeah, I don't think any of us correct me if I'm wrong. I'll shut up. But I think the whole 49ers passing core could be like stock downs now with Jimmy G out. Agreed. But we'll... I mean, I, I think that it depends because I think George Kittle 100% stock down. I think that's 100%. They're going to probably keep him into to do some extra passing work. I mean, extra blocking work. I think that that's going to affect him. I think Christian McCaffrey probably is stock up. Well, I'm going to be talking about Christian McCaffrey soon. Uh, I think I think Debo Samuel's stock probably goes up because he's the guy that gets the— I think the, AU is probably uh, the biggest hit to this. I agree. I think yeah, Brandon Ayuk, is, Ayuk, there's no tough. way to cut this as a positive for him. I think this could be a positive for Debo, though. So, I mean, those Debo shares are looking ugly. That's as, that's. I don't even understand it. I don't even understand it. All right, let's get into our next— well, we got more surprise, surprise, Tim. Do we have one? Oh, man, I'm I'm really like, I, I got to like get out of here. I got to go take a walk or something. Go ahead. <laughs> My second surprise, surprise is DeAndre Swift. And for the first time, it's a good surprise, surprise. Yes. Because he played 51% of snaps, which was the first time he's been over 50% since week eight. He saw 14 carries to Jamal Williams's zero. I mean, excuse me, 11. And saw... um. Six targets to Jamal Williams is zero. 62 rushing yards on the 14 attempts, a rushing touchdown, over 100 yards all-purpose. If DeAndre Swift is going to become a 15-plus touch player down the stretch against Minnesota, the Jets, Carolina, and Chicago, oh boy, DeAndre Swift could be that guy who, if you were able to acquire him at the right time before and were able to sneak into the playoffs or, you know, just somehow have DeAndre Swift in your roster and be fighting for, you know, week 15, 16, 17 for that championship ring, he could be a helpful asset. I'm not going too crazy because we know the Lions. We know DeAndre Swift. If next week Jamal Williams gets 24 rush attempts and DeAndre Swift gets eight touches, I don't think anyone would be surprised. But this was certainly a trend in a positive direction if you are a hopeful DeAndre Swift manager. I agree. He was going to be my stock up if Michael didn't uh, take him in this uh, segment. <laughs> well, so, boo-hoo for you. Well, uh, go ahead, Matt. Be quicker. Yeah, I got it. I, today I was really facts only. I was uh, definitely the lagger of the bunch. Uh, I I got mine in a little late. Yeah, I had a busy day. I was like, damn, I'm going to be the last one to get in my my picks. And then I saw Tim never chose players. And I was like, nice. Let me get these in before Tim steals some of my guys. I got a busy time right now. When, when my wife gives birth to our second child, which, uh, you know, God willing is soon. Um, I'm going to take some time off work. So I've been doing some extra work to prepare for that time off work. And it is, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. Um, Tim, right. you working? Let's get into Matt's second surprise surprise. Yeah. I Cam Akers. Cam Akers, surprise, surprise, two touchdowns. Hey, I know boy, it's yeah, only a one-game. That was. 
Yeah, I mean, where did that come from? But I, it's it's just been such a crazy roller coaster with Cam Akers and the Los Angeles Rams. It's been one of the most stunning, ridiculous, nonsensical, confusing fantasy football narratives to behold over the past three seasons of Cam Akers' career. You know, like a fake rookie breakout with just disgusting underlying efficiency metrics that led to him being catapulted into the first round of dynasty startups and redraft leagues, really, uh, that following season. And then obviously Achilles injury, followed by long rehab, cast away completely by the franchise, disgruntled minimal usage leading to demanding a trade, sitting out multiple games leading up to the trade deadline not getting traded and then just being inserted as the RB one as if nothing ever happened. Even, even them like surprisingly cutting Daryl Henderson to make way for that usage role, 17 carries for 60 yards, two touchdowns. So, I mean like the underlying efficiency metrics are still disgusting, but I full heartedly believe that we would not see a single fantasy relevant performance from any member of the Rams backfield, let alone cam acres for the rest of the season. And he broke that narrative for sure. Uh, put that to rest 20 point, zero PPR points, 20, even I'm, I'm not crazy enough to think that his stock is actually up uh, because his value is essentially worthless on dynasty markets. And it's going to need a bunch of coinciding production to write that rightful decline in value. Um, but his highest fantasy scoring total in two years uh, is definitely one of the most surprising things that I saw that last week. Uh, while I think that Sleeper, the fantasy platform, has a very good draft platform, and I like playing on their platform, don't get me wrong, Yahoo definitely has the best platform, in my opinion. And I kind of shit on Yahoo last week, and I said they got to get their Jarek McKinnon right. So my second and last <laughs> is Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon finally got what Yahoo predicted he was going to be getting, and I think it's because I called him out. And the fantasy gods of Yahoo were like, you've been playing here since 2000. We see you. We hear you. You must abide by the rules. Never do that again. Okay, gods of Yahoo, I hear you. Gods of Yahoo passed. Gods of Yahoo passed. Uh, yeah, Jarek McKinnon had a great game. I, I, I don't know if that was a surprise. Uh but he did get over 10 points for the first time this year. Uh, put together a, a, a decent situation, man. It, a a game that if you started Jarek McKinnon, you were happy. Eight rushes, 51 yards, two targets, two receptions, uh, nine yards. But, of course, the most important thing, the receiving touchdown. Um, so he got 13 half PPR points, uh, something that you will definitely take in your flex or your RB3 spot or whatever uh, you're doing. So definitely Jarek McKinnon. No, that's my surprise. Surprise. You win, Yahoo. You win. All right. Let's get into our stock up segment. I'm going to play the right music. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the right one. Let's see. Stock up. Okay. Hold on. All right. Go. Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analysts indicate it could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. You know what? Sometimes you drop the ball, but then you come back and you catch the touchdown. That's what makes real champions. That's what I just did. Michael, go ahead. If you say so, my first stock up is Christian McCaffrey. Let's keep it in the San Francisco family. Obviously, you know, not an ideal situation with Jimmy Garoppolo out for the 49ers offense, but... Jimmy Garoppolo left early in the game, and Brock Purdy became the dump-it-off to Christian McCaffrey 
master. Um, 17 rushes, 66 rushing yards, 8 receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Masterful work of dumping it off to Christian McCaffrey. 10 targets. Like, if Christian McCaffrey is going to see 27 touches a game going forward, he's going to be Christian McCaffrey. And, look, you can't assume 10 targets every week um, or 17 rush attempts, but Christian McCaffrey played 82% of snaps in this week's win against the Dolphins in a game where they had quite a bit of a lead for a lot of the game. Um, They could have rested him if they liked. And it was a game that... um, coming down the stretch that they needed to win and maybe this is a sign that Christian McCaffrey going forward is going to just be the Christian McCaffrey that we've grown used to over the last couple of years and he, and Brock Purdy is a downgrade to the offense overall and typically I think quarterback downgrades are just very bad for opposing uh, I mean for the offense in general but if that means Christian McCaffrey is going to see eight receptions and 15 plus rushes every game he's just going to be automatic yeah Christian McCaffrey uh, you got to love his outlook for the remainder of the season. Uh, Matt, who's your first stock up? I had to steal this one from the Jets fans. It's Bam Knight. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. Bam. Look, he, that boy got a dog in him, man. That's for sure. Uh, he began his career. Mike mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts, but he began his career as the only rookie in the 2022 draft to surpass 100 scrimmage yards in their debut appearance. Uh, he followed it up with another 100 scrimmage yard threshold surpassment 90 rushing yards 15 attempts caught five of five targets for 28 yards michael carter remains sidelined with an ankle injury proven as much more than a change of pace batch can definitely take some receiving work away but as we saw bam is obviously a serviceable receiving option as well james robinson's short yarded specialist uh intermediate option when the team needs a warm body to fall forward for two yards or less Ty Johnson's going to lose whatever receiving work and upside role that we saw, minimal upside role that we saw him have as soon as Michael Carter is deemed healthy enough to play. But I don't think Bam is really ever going to lose lead duties and team high snap share and rushing attempts and obviously getting mixed into the pass catching work even when a guy like Carter or Johnson is playing the change of pace option. His production's likely a little volatile with some down weeks in the future. Opportunity share and hot handedness is certainly enough to warrant a sizable leap in uh, market consensus right now. Obviously, being a rookie helps that. But Brees Hall is not going to be injured forever. Um, And Bam Knight is an undrafted free agent. We've seen it time and time again. As much as you want to fall in love with these guys that can put up league-winning numbers towards the end of the season, they have no job security, which means they have no value insurance, uh, which means you should sell them. And I, I think as a dynasty asset, even if you're in a contending position, if you can get a decent enough return um even as a contender it makes it a little more difficult obviously you want points in your lineup but if you can get a second pick uh third even um and then something added that can give you nine points per game i i think bam knight is a must-sell player but that said it's because his stock is up well beyond what his career trajectory suggests it should be yeah i agree i i think that you should sell him and keeping in the jets family Let's keep the let's keep the connections rolling. My first stock up is Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Look, Mike White, if there's one thing that he's definitely good for, it's throwing the ball to Garrett Wilson over and over again. 15 targets, 8 receptions, 162 yards. Uh Garrett Wilson did whatever he wanted. Uh it seemed like uh, he could have even had a, a bigger game if Mike White didn't miss on a couple of passes. Uh underrated that Mike White kind of missed on a on a few he he started the game very inaccurately. Uh more inaccurate than usual. Couldn't put the ball in the end zone uh either, which is um 
disappointing as a as a Jets fan. But Garrett Wilson did his thing. He had 21 and a half fantasy points in half PPR formats, and he did not even score a touchdown. Score a touchdown. Um, and this is a, a baller. Yeah, this is a trend, man. If you see when the last two games with Mike White in the game, uh, tw- over 21 points in half PPR, both of these games. Uh, and, you know, there's no reason to think that Mike White, who is clearly capable of completing passes to his wide receivers, uh, there's no reason to think that he won't continue to hyper-target Garrett Wilson because Garrett Wilson is good enough to get open a lot. So he's going to be open, and Mike White's going to throw it to him because he's good enough to get it to him. Uh, it doesn't need to be rocket science about it. So I think it's going to keep being hyper-targeted, and I think uh, right now if you have Garrett Wilson, uh, you're looking at a guy who is going to be a difference maker in these playoffs. Yeah, I'm in a 14-team league, and I started uh, Kyler Murray was on by. Um, I started Mike White. I picked up and started Zonovan Knight, and I started Garrett Wilson, and that Jets trio put up. Points for me. Yeah, nice. Not That's bad. Great. Not bad. Um, who's your first? Who's your second? Uh, gang. My second stock hold up on, hold is on. Did Mac go? Yeah, Mac. Went. I did my first one. Yeah, you yeah. did. Go ahead. Mike. My second stock up is Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. He was also my Grand Slam smash. Yeah, Michael has been uh, all over Keenan. Yeah, he went six for eighty-eight and a touchdown. But the main focus here is that he saw fourteen targets. That's 1-4, folks. 14. Miami, Tennessee, Indy, and the Rams to close out the season. Like I said last week, if Keenan Allen is going to be seeing this much work, he is a wide receiver one. And the Chargers defense has not been great. Their run defense is a joke. The offense has not been great either of late. But Keenan Allen is back. Keenan Allen is a clear number one on this offense. He's playing his full allotment of snaps now. And he's one of those guys similar to, to, to uh, DeAndre Swift. If you were able to acquire him at a cheap point throughout the season from a desperate uh, fantasy manager, you may be uh, reaping the benefits going into the playoffs. Yes, sir. Mike, uh, I mean, uh, Matt, who is your second stock up? Well, it took 13 weeks, but James Cook is finally rising in dynasty yeah, value man. for those that were bold enough to uh, draft him. And it, it you know, the dynasty market usually needs more than one sign of positive production to boost the worth of like a guy that's face planted or, or taken so long to develop, even be kind of utilized in the offense like James Cook. So it's not always as reactionary as the redraft market for obvious reasons, but Cook also rushed for 86 yards on just 11 attempts against the Browns two weeks ago. So that's obviously helping buoy this small market rise. Uh, he received more carries than Devin Singletary in week 13, marking the first time in his young career that he outtouched his senior mentor. I guess carries is technically incorrect. You should remove the S. It was 14 to 13, but he had 64 yards. The Singletary's 51. Um, Singletary was the one that found the end zone, though, so obviously a higher scoring output there. Rushing totals were certainly encouraging bonus, but the main cause of Cook's rising stock, and I think the most interesting thing of it all, obviously, was the long-awaited realization of the pass-catching ability that had a lot of analysts so high on him coming into the 2022 season and as a you know running back in a great offense like Buffalo. I mean, truth be told, I was not one of those analysts at all. I'm not very high on Cook. He's doesn't meet the weight thresholds for serviceable running backs. He didn't have a very productive collegiate career, but he has some decent draft capital and obviously a very good landing spot. 
he had six targets. Um, that was the most exciting thing. 18.2% target share behind only Stefan Diggs, and he caught all six of his targets for 41 yards. I think I mentioned before his rising usage to close out the season feels kind of like it's supported by that added narrative of their like their playoff position and their record. They want to keep Singletary healthy. They want to keep Singletary fresh for the playoff run. They're pretty much guaranteed a playoff run now unless they completely collapse and lose out the season. Um, so I, I think there's a little bit more to say to that rather than a confidence, an organizational confidence in Cook as an asset, as a talent, as a guy that can truly take over the backfield from um, a veteran like Singletary. But regardless, it doesn't really matter what the causality is. His stock is certainly on the rise. And again, kind of in the same validity as Bam Knight is, I'm looking to sell guys like that, especially with Mm -hmm. the spike weeks with James Cook, because it's even more of an obvious committee than what Bam Knight has in New York with the Jets. I don't really want to hold on to Cook if somebody is willing to pay what face value was, which was essentially a second round pick, knowing that 2023 class is obviously a lot stronger than the 2022 one was as far as running backs are concerned. Uh, James Cook came out of kind of kind of has been easing his way into that uh, into that role and kind of popped off. It's like, whoa, what's going on? James Cook is on the field a lot. This was the this was the week where he popped off. Um, all right, I'm gonna. I, I couldn't figure out who else putting the stock up because uh, these guys took a lot of the good the good ones that I wanted to take because I was last. And so I'm going to go into stock up, and I'm going to talk about a guy that I really want to talk about. It's Amon Ross St. Brown. If his stock wasn't already up, it is up, up, up towards the moon. Um, In the preseason, not to toot my own horn, but I'm about to. In the preseason, he was my mid-round sleeper. I told told you to get him. I told you that I I kept finding him on my team every time I drafted. It's because he had this wide receiver one potential. And right now, I think that he has top five wide receiver potential. If you look at his matchups coming up, he has Minnesota. He gets the Jets, who is a tough matchup. So I'm going to be interested to see who who he plays with the Jets. Then he gets Carolina and Chicago to end the season. So one tough matchup in four. Minnesota is a great matchup for wide receivers. So... Man, I'm excited for him. I think that he's a that he's the type of guy. If he's in your wide receiver two slot, that's the type of guy who you're gonna you know win weeks because of um, because having that giant advantage at the wide receiver two spot and having two wide receiver ones. If you have him next to a wide receiver one, that's the kind of stuff that wins you championships in your draft when you draft someone in the fifth round. So going, I'm gonna Ross St. Brown and and and. Not even I'm gonna toot my own horn even more. You know what? I feel like tooting my horn because I made a bunch of mistakes and now I'm gonna remind people that I'm actually good at this. Um, <laughs> Fair. I've been talking about the same Brown family since my VM days. I've been just like talking about the same Brown family and how like when both of these guys were in college, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm betting on them when they're in the pros. Uh, Equinemius not so much, although Equinemius yeah, went crazy game. yesterday. Went yeah, crazy. Three for eighty-five is went crazy. In, in for him in equanimity St. Brown terms yeah it's super crazy uh but uh man this dude is just next level he plays the position and, and you know I, I think that this is one of those things where it could be sustained success I'm not uh, if I'm in a dynasty looking at him in dynasty like he's one of the top dynasty assets for me too because top eight no question yeah because I mean look at a guy like Wes Welker you know he was a slot receiver who put up insane fantasy numbers every single year like there's there is precedent for it so, yeah, uh, that's all I got to say. Stock up, Mr. Mister Amon Ross St. Brown, because we're sick bastards. Sick bastard. 
You sick bastard. I don't understand what's happening right now. We're going to send the stock down because we're masochist sick bastard. Ah. Sick bastards. Stock down. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The Dow traders are standing there watching in amazement, and I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. Mike, remember when, I, when like, a couple of years ago, that would come on, and I'd always be like, oh, my God, now that I'm, like, actually investing in the stock market, it's such a scary thing. Yes. I had way more money back then. Yep. It, it happened. Yep. <laughs> it happened, Michael. Anyway, uh, Matt, why don't we start with you on this one? We haven't started yet. Uh, with the Dynasty uh, who perspective. Who cares about me? Uh, no, yeah, yeah. We're starting with me. Matt. All right? With Matt. Matthew Ward. Get it right. All right. Um, wow, full name. Yeah, that's right. Michael needs to know. What is it? Patrick Spangley? Who is the guy's name? Swilling. What the Swilling. fuck? <laughs> Patrick Swilling. I don't even remember. Oh, the, oh, Matt's favorite player. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, Matt, go ahead, man. This... All right. I, well, first, let me just preface this with: I, I don't want people to misconstrue the the term or, or the statement "stock down" for being out on a prospect or out on a player, specifically rookies. And because I always bring the dynasty perspective, I'm going to go right into it with a little bit of dynasty theory and value theory here, and say Isaiah likely. And, and I don't think it should be that big of a surprise that a stock is down because of where people allowed it to rise in the first place. The dynasty community exploded with admiration for Isaiah likely after he posted back-to-back tight end one finishes and week in week eight against the Buccaneers week nine against the Saints people were quick to crown likely as a tight end one in dynasty a top 12 positional asset while throwing all logic and causality to the wind as if he was not a first year tight end rookie stuck on a depth chart with Mark Andrews in front of him on an offense coordinated by fucking Greg Roman um his Buccaneers performance was admittedly pretty impressive yeah he, he caught six of seven um for 77 yards one receiving touchdown by the way Mark Andrews was not active in any of these games against the Saints he took his first target for a TD 27 yards and didn't catch a single pass uh for the remainder of the game that that's it those are his two best seasons and people want to crown him as somebody that you know should be drafted ahead of the likes of say a Cole Komet even um, and, and I think stuff like that is it's honestly a little nonsensical, but I'm not saying that you should be down on Isaiah likely either. I'm saying when assets like that rise to that incredible value, that's where you can make positive moves by selling off for a value gain. And you can even reinvest in those players again when the market recorrects because it was nonsense to have them ranked that high in the first place. Uh, and again, like, OK, if you want to lock him in as like say tight end 12 he's a tight end one on the market has an excellent collegiate profile and, and trust me he does have an excellent collegiate profile incredible market shares elite yards per team pass attempt numbers but tight end 12 largely doesn't matter and that's my whole point the position is a valley of treacherous value volatility like players just swap in and out like david and joker was a consensus raked outside of the top 20 tight end assets this season his consensus ranking right now is tight end six like, so if you're not in the top five, like locked in with value insulation, then you're not really a tight end one. And you it's like something Dawson that Tim Knox was saying. Too. 
Yeah, exactly. Dawson Knox being in the top 10 of tight end dynasty rankings last season and now being outside of the top 16. Exactly. Things like that. And like Tim was saying um, last week with the the value gaps, and it it plays into redraft as well when you're just looking at rankings and setting lineups and and using that term. Like the value gap between 6 and 12 for tight end is astronomically bigger than the value gap between a wide receiver 1, 6, and 12. Like 6 to 20 is like tight end 2. Um, where the top six are really tight end one. So all of that said is I still like Isaiah Likely. Um, I think he's actually in a terrible situation. Mark Andrews is obviously king, uh, and they're not going to surround whoever their quarterback is, Lamar Jackson or not, with incompetent receivers, I think, for another Super Bowl run inside of this Harbaugh era. Um, Yeah, Isaiah Likely is somebody that I enjoy as a prospect. I enjoy as a player, but having value attached to a guy like that, especially with – tight end prospects like Michael Meyer and Brock Bowers literally coming around the corner before Isaiah likely would even hit his supposed window of dynasty breakouts, which is year three for tight ends. It's like, yeah, I mean, I just think it was an absolute asinine valuing. So stock down for him now that people are realizing that if he's not a starting tight end on an offense, he's not putting up anywhere close to serviceable numbers. Bang, bang. Couldn't have said it better myself. Michael, who's your first stock down? The Saints have an offensive lineman with the last name Throckmorton. One word. Yeah, I love it. That's a I, I love our name. offensive line. <laughs> with that being said, Cordell Patterson let me down this week, man. Zero targets after having a 20% target share once Kyle Pitts in the first game without Kyle Pitts last week in week 12. And only 11 carries to Algiers, 10 carries, 4 to Caleb Huntley. So he was out carried 14 to 11 by other wide receivers on that team. Excuse me, running backs on that team. I don't understand. Like, I don't get not using Cordell Patterson and his skill set. 46% snap share to Algiers, 52. Patterson was at three rushes for six yards at halftime. And then he had a decent second half. He ended up running eight times for 54 yards. I guess they figured out, let's, or figured, let's get Cordell Patterson involved a little bit rather than just not get him the ball at all. But either way, he's, uh, he's fallen off quite a bit from the highs of the beginning of the year. I mean, Two of his first three games, the dude went over 20 half PPR fantasy points, and I thought he was going to bounce back this week. He did not. And then he has a bye week, New Orleans and Baltimore in weeks 15 and 16. Arizona's a little easier to end the season, but by that time, you have to make it to the championship, and Cordell Patterson has not been a very helpful asset in a, in a little bit. Uh, Yeah, Cordell Patterson, is just this is the kind of the same thing that happened to him last year, man. He's just old. Unfortunately. I mean, but he dealt with injuries this year. He's just also just not getting the touches. Um, mine, Last year, he was just run into the ground, but that's not what happened this year. Plus, that offense is just disgustingly bad. Maybe Desmond Ritter comes and breathes life into it. I would doubt that. And Cordero. Uh, we'll see. My next stock down is Derrick Henry. Now, this is a very temporary stock down. I think the stock is going to rebound, no problem, because the upcoming schedule for Derrick Henry looks really nice. Jacksonville, the Chargers, Houston. Oh, my goodness. And Dallas in the championship week. But Chargers, Houston. Oh, my goodness. In the first two rounds of the playoffs. If you have Derrick Henry, get ready to go to the championship. Um, But right now his stock is down because 4.8 points against Philly, who Jordan Davis really returning, really made that, uh, really made a difference. But if you look at his last four games, he's had three out of four have been very pedestrian games. He had a big game against Green Bay. But he's been extremely pedestrian. Now, he hasn't been bad by any means, but he's been pedestrian uh, for the most part. Uh, You know, the type of thing where it's just a regular guy or gal. 
Uh, reg- he, Derek Henry. What do you think Derek would, Henry would do to me in person if I'm like, oh, you're just a regular guy or gal? He'd probably just He'd ignore rip you. your arms off probably and beat you to p- death yeah, with him. Punch me in the face. Oh, I mean, he could. Yeah, for sure. I think he's a nice fella. I'll like, tell you. I feel like he'd just ignore you. Jordan Davis <laughs> yeah. is a real difference maker on that Eagles defense in terms of stopping Yeah, I mean, run. putting a Marvel a superhero at nose tackle will make a difference. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Derrick Henry, uh, bad game. We've been forgetting to put the actual stats out there. Just assume everyone knows. You're the only one who hasn't said the actual stats, and you keep saying we're forgetting to say the actual I've stats. I've said the actual stats every time. And you keep saying we're forgetting. No one's forgot once. Error number five. Yeah. I, I I go back and check the tape. <laughs> go back and check the go tape back and, and hear us all discuss. Eleven rushes, thirty yards, two targets, eight receptions. Not ideal. Two targets, eight receptions. Eight you let me say yards. that. Two receptions. I'm, eight I, yards. I, I'm I lost track. I can't even count on all on my fingers Almost how many errors you've made. All right, uh, Michael, go ahead and take me out of my misery. Well, my second stock down. Yeah. My second stock down to close it out is a guy I did not like this draft season, and even I didn't think it would be this tough, but here we are with Michael Pittman coming off of a four-target, two-catch, 16-yard performance against Dallas. This guy has two weak-changing games the entire year. Like, two games over 16 have PPR fantasy points. He has 74 receptions, 739 yards, which is all fine and dandy, but just two reception touchdowns. But not what you wanted when you drafted this guy in the second, third, maybe early fourth round. Like, people were drafting Michael Pittman, assuming he was going to take a step up and be a wide receiver one this year. I thought that was silly. Um, We discussed it in the Colts heat wave that he was not as good as people thought he was last year. He was like 27th or something in points per game, even though he ended up as a top 20 wide receiver. And he was having, um, he just wasn't as good as people thought. And I was not sold on Matt Ryan and the Colts offense and, now Michael Pittman has this really bad game um, against the against the Cowboys, and now he has a bye week in Week 14. Minnesota in Week 15 is a nice matchup, but then you have LAC and the Giants to end it off, which are two tough matchups, and who knows if you're even getting there if you were one of the teams drafting Michael Pittman at his uh, increased ADP this year. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Facts. who is your final stock down? I'm gonna rub this one in your face a little bit. Me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just a little, Here we just go. a little. You know what? You I'm know ready. I love you, but Let me get my face it's ready. George. It's yeah, George Pickens. Man, what a disappointment <laughs> that was, man, bro. What, what the fuck, bro? I told you. I know, you exactly. said George Pickens, Against... and I said I hate it. Yeah, that's what you said right away. I don't know why it was a good matchup. I said the process was right. Excellent right? matchup. The process was right. I, I agree with you. You the believe process in Kenny was Pickett? That was the not... issue. Yeah, I know. And that. then it, Kenny Pickett is the issue. And, and as I've said previously on, on this pod and on one of those recaps episodes, uh, if, if you just take a quick look at their contract structuring and and obviously their draft picks, their scenario with Kenny Pickett, five-year contract, first-round pick, all of those things, this is seemingly going to be the offense for the next few years. Um, it's not a good scene for George Pickens. I don't know there's much room for debate in regards to who is trending up as the most effective and efficient wide receiver on the Steeler offense. That edge obviously goes to George Pickens, but he hasn't been that great. And honestly, what is that even worth? Like, what is it worth to say, like, he's trending with more value than Deontay Johnson on an offense that can't support either one of them? It's certainly not worth what his relative climbing cost was suggesting and, and the market peers to finally be catching up, I suppose, reducing some of that loft of expectation of George Pickens as a high-end dynasty asset. Like, look, the kid is a highlight reel. There's no denying his ability to make incredible catches. However, 
he's done nothing to suggest an elite ability outside of anything other than that. Uh, he's earning just 14.4% target share this season. That's like wide receiver 68. Um, again, against a cupcake matchup in the Falcons too, you expected so much more when he was trending in the right direction. But even that one positive kind of 14.4 fantasy points um, that gave us a little bit more of a good outlook towards his Falcons matchup was supported by a rushing touchdown. So again, it wasn't really receiving production. His snap percentages and route percentages have shockingly remained completely stagnant past Claypool's departure, suggesting to me that the narrative saying that the trade was kind of a a vote of confidence again in an increased role for Pickens was certainly false. Uh, The team hasn't entrusted him with anything more than what he was doing before and what he was doing before other than the, you know, ESPN top 10, best plays of the week list is widely unproductive for fantasy purposes. And from a dynasty perspective, a a guy like George Pickens, who obviously the hype is far exceeding the production. um, Those can be very swift declines in value. I'm not saying it's necessarily worth a pivot. Um, If if people are still higher on him than production is suggesting, then yeah, I would sell out for a first round pick um, any year because that's not what his career trajectory suggests he's going to be. He can be a very serviceable wide receiver too, 20 to 22% target share. Um, absolutely can see an increase in production throughout his career but assuming that he's just going to alpha everybody that he plays alongside he's not doing that to a Deontay Johnson that can't find the end zone that can't catch more than four passes that can't you know and yeah largely due to Kenny Pickett but you have to put some blame on the guy that's earning the targets as well yeah I I mean I don't I yeah I I, I hear what you're saying yeah, I'm actually, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I mean, Pickett, uh, we mentioned. No, re- no rebuttal. 36th, 36th in true throw value as of last week probably went down after this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't been great by any means. And yeah, you, you, Matt, Matt is right. You can't put it completely on the uh, on the QB. But then you get games like, I don't know, like Garrett Wilson went like, what, two for 14 in that game where Zach Wilson completely shit the bed. And I'm not blaming Garrett Wilson for that at all. <laughs> Sometimes it's just the QB being really, really bad. But yeah, it's true. We'll find out. I was having high hopes for George Pickens. I'm not gonna lie. In this, but game. I mean, Garrett Wilson had huge games with Zach Wilson under center too. I, I shouldn't say huge, but yeah, you know, 17.8 PPR points, 18.4 PPR points. Um, those are good games. Yeah, he Pickens has had like decent game. Like he's never had a week winning outing. So yeah, yeah. All right, my next uh, stock down is the what the hell's going on Dolphins running back situation. Um, it seems like ever since they got Jeff Wilson, it's been uh, look. Jeff Wilson has been great, uh, but when he took over, it wasn't expected. So you were expecting Raheem Mostert, so you probably didn't take advantage of that first situation. Then Raheem Mostert was injured. You have Jeff Wilson, fine. And then Raheem Mostert comes back, and this guy gets eighty-seven percent of the rushing works out rushes. Our rushes Jeff Wilson seven to one. Um, geez, what the hell happened? Now Jeff Wilson had one target to Raheem Mostert's no target, so th- there's that. But yeah, I don't understand Jeff Wilson what just either man. T- completely thirty seven percent of the snaps, twelve percent of the rushes. What the f- what the fuck happened? I was 
I was equally as surprised as you. I, that whenever that game was on, it was Mostert in the backfield, and I was like, "What's what's really going on right now? Like, do they just decide they don't like Jeff Wilson anymore? I don't know where. What happened? I don't get it. I don't get it. I know he dealt with an injury last week. Well, two weeks ago now, I suppose, if we consider yesterday last week. But then, like, I don't know. They didn't really say like he was going to be limited or anything. I I don't know. I do not know. I. I mean, not the best way to end the show, but I do not know. I do not know. It's basically yeah. what we, we always do. end on a sad note on these Mondays. We always do, and because we come into we come in so hot, and then we gotta we just cool off. All right. Um, speaking Scooby-doo, of, find us on Twitter though, Michael. Where can they find you? At BrodoFF, Mike. Matt. At PsychWardFF. At BrodoFF, Tim. At BrodoFF, Cass. At BrodoFF, Jason. At FF by Brodo and at Brodo Fantasy on. Twitter. You could also find us patreon.com slash brotofantasy, brotofantasy.com, the fantasy football by Broto app, uh, Instagram at brotofantasy, uh, TikTok. I'm not going to lie, we're not as active on TikTok as we should be, but uh, we, we do have a TikTok, so follow that. If, we're then, getting there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Uh, eight, uh, I mean, at brotofantasy, eight. What are you talking about? Um, and, you know, see us in your dreams. That's really what you want. What you really, really want. Uh, yo, Which really, really won't. Yo, Matt, do you remember when in the cartoons how they used to show hot dogs in the cartoons where they have like that, they used to like have that like little like sausage tie thing at the end? Have you ever like, yes. have you ever like seen a, a hot dog that's actually like that? Yeah, when they're like handmade. 